the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us here on the broadcast today studying God's Word. And we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our Decoding Jesus teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us again to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Salvation is from the Jews. He stays on message. He's not going out of his way to offend her, but he is having to tell her the truth. That's not an easy thing to do in his age. And here we are in the 21st century where we live in a pluralistic age where there's, you have your truth and, you, and I have mine. And we see there's no room for negotiation. There's no room for any of that here. And let me just read to you what she says and then what he says to her. Verse 20, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, ma'am, lady, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And then he goes kind of doctrinal on her. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, in sincerity and in precision and in accuracy. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, there's this full court press. He's gentle, but in, in his own, he's, he's sort of unrelenting. He's not trying to hurt her feelings or make her mad or to get a rise out of her. Sometimes we get distracted and we get wrapped up in philosophies or politics and things like that. That's not what Jesus is doing her. If she becomes increasingly uncomfortable, she finally says, look, you know, when the Messiah comes, he'll straighten us all out. When the Messiah comes, it's kind of like we, people will say to us today, well, when we all get to heaven, God, God will make us all understand. She's sort of doing that with him. That's her escape route. And then he confronts her with his identity in verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now you look at this, you know. You can only imagine what went through her mind. She starts out going to get a drink of water. This guy talks to her. They, you know, she starts pushing back. He wants to talk religion. She wants him out of her hair. Then he tells her something that no one could know about her. And she perceives that this is a whole bigger thing going on than what she thought. And now she gets it. He, he says, she goes, well, the Messiah will fix all this. And he goes, I am the Messiah. He doesn't water the message down. Can you imagine walking up to somebody you don't know and saying, I am the Messiah? You know, a lot of times we think we have to monkey with the message so that we don't seem too crazy when we say Jesus is the only way. But she hears that, and this is a God encounter right here. And the woman hears that, and she runs into the town and starts telling everybody. She bears witness. There's no apathy. There's no half-heartedness with her. Here's a woman with a past. You know, he, he tells her she's had five husbands, and the guy she's with now isn't her husband, and all of this, and 
she says, well, when Messiah comes, you know, we'll get it all straight. I am the Messiah, and she's gone. She didn't even pray a prayer. She just believed. It says in verse 28, So the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? She bears witness. Then others move by, you know, she tells people about him. She's not embarrassed. She's not ashamed. Her past is behind her. And she's looking forward to eternal life. And she begins telling, the, it's kind of like social networking. They didn't have Facebook then, so. But she starts posting. It's all about Jesus. It's all about this, this God encounter she had. And in verse 40, it says, So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. And, she, and, and, they stay, and, and he and his disciples stayed for two days. And many more believed because of his word. Verse 42, They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed, that this in truth, that this certainly is the Savior of the world. They heard his message and responded. They responded to the message of Jesus all because of this God encounter with the woman at the well. And what I want to do today is to talk to you about how you can make the most of your divine appointments when God brings you into contact with somebody. I want you to understand I want you to think in terms, and this is sort of a negative way of putting it, but it works. I want you to consider three mistakes that we need to avoid when we share Jesus, when we talk to people about Jesus. Three mistakes to avoid so that we can be effective, so that we can reach San Jose, Santa Clara County, so that we can reach California and the world beyond, so that we can be part of the kingdom of God, fulfilling the mission, which is to take the message of Jesus out to the people. And the first mistake to avoid is this. Do not underestimate the power of the message. Don't underestimate the power of the message. Verse 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I mean, you want to meet the Messiah? I am the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. That's the message. Jesus is the Savior. That's the message. As you look through that give and take, and I hope when you go home today, you'll read through John chapter 4, and you see how this whole thing plays out between the two of them. Don't miss the fact that Jesus never took the bait. She tried to trip him up. She tried to put him off. She tried to incite him through race, politics, whatever, and he never went there. You know why? Because it was unimportant. It was immaterial. It wasn't eternal. She says to him, How is it that you, a Jew of all people, would ask me, a Samaritan, for a glass of water? How is it that you, a millennial, would ask me, a senior citizen, for a glass of water? How is it that you, a Democrat, would ask me, a Libertarian, a Republican, a Green, whatever, for a glass of water? How is it that you, a Republican, would ask me, a Democrat, for a glass of water? And he just doesn't take the bait. He just doesn't go there. She engages in cultural controversies. Well, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. You worship over yonder and I worship over here. He just parries that away. He doesn't even react to it. He never goes off message. He keeps the the focus on matters of eternal consequence. He doesn't shy away from incredible sounding things. I who speak to you am he. You know, sometimes when we, we share the gospel, sometimes when we explain the message, sometimes when we talk to people about Jesus... We're embarrassed. Well, God came to earth. I mean, you know, God came to earth. That's the message. He came to earth to save. 
He came to earth to rescue us. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. You see, we forget that when we're talking to people, the Holy Spirit may be convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we act as if it's up to us. The postman doesn't bring you your mail and then read it, read it to you. Say, now this is your power bill. You've gone into the second tier here. You're not very environmentally sensitive. You're just burning up all kind of fossil fuels. Doesn't it do that? The postal service person, male or female, young or old, just delivers the message. The power is in the message. And that's all we have to do. We don't go off message. We stay on message. Let's not shy away from the message. And don't let your fears distract you. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. No one is sufficient in and of themselves to convince anyone to believe the gospel. It's a God thing. The power is in the message. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, the message, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the gospel that saves people of all cultures and races and socioeconomic and political persuasions. All we have to do is deliver the goods. One message saves all kinds of people from all kinds of places. And that message is in Romans 10, 9 through 13. Because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We have a very simple message. Christ died for our sin according to the scriptures. He rose according to the scriptures. And in him there is eternal life. And if you trust in him, if you put your confidence and your faith in this God-man, this God who came to earth in the form of a human being to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, if you would just trust in his promises, you can have eternal life. As you turn away from the old way and put your faith and confidence in him. So what do you do with this? By way of application, don't add to the message, just deliver it. Don't dilute it, don't water it down. As you deliver the message like a good messenger, don't get drawn into side conversations that take the focus off of the need of the lost person for salvation. Don't mix it up with them. Don't mix ideology or philosophy or political persuasion or whatever it is with the message. Avoid that common mistake. Don't underestimate the power of them. Secondly, secondly, and this is key, don't underestimate the power of witness. Don't estimate the power of your witness. When we say witness, what does that mean? It's telling people what God has done in your life. It's, it's living out your faith with all sincerity and with patience and grace and honor. Verse 39 and verse 40. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. That word testimony, marturion, is the word from which we get witness. She bore witness. She gave testimony. She gave verbal evidence to who he was and what he did for her. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And his, her testimony was, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. The woman witnessed unashamedly. She was not a mover and shaker in the community. Indications are she was somebody of, you know, with a very questionable and, and spotty reputation, most likely very immoral, most likely most of the town looked down on her. That's why she came at noon in the heat of the day to get water and not in the morning when everybody else came. But she, she was an outcast. 
She was the least gifted probably. Of, I mean, there are probably more gifted people in the community. But the power of her testimony, the passion that she had, the change that they saw in her, that she came to them and said, this guy told me all I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She wasn't even telling them what to believe. She was saying, remember we read in John 1 where they kept saying that the disciples were going out to people and saying, hey, I think I've met the Messiah. I think I've, you know, I met the King of Israel. And they'd say, really? They'd say, well, come see. See, as a witness, you, all you have to say is what he's done for you and say, come see, come listen, come to church with me, come to the couple's night out, whatever, you know. But she's bold. She's brave. She's not any smarter than she was 10 minutes before, secularly or temporally speaking, maybe eternally speaking. But that witness, that change in her, that contrast had an impact. And you know what? It even has an impact when you're speaking to somebody who is blowing you and the message off. There's a great picture of this in Acts 4.13. In Acts 4.13, Peter and John have borne witness to Christ. They preached. They're pulled up before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin threatens them. They say, you know what? Judge for yourselves whether we should serve God or men. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, step back. They have no interest in their message. But look what it says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. She had been with Jesus, and something changed. And she bore witness, and that witness was powerful. God takes common, everyday people like you and me and does uncommon things through us, the power of that message. And then look what happened after the woman's... After the woman's message, after her witness, what happened? The people went out to see Jesus. They were curious. It says, so when the Samaritans came to him, they came to him. They heard, they experienced her witness, and some of them came. And they asked him to stay, and he stayed there for two days. Notice that she bore witness. Notice that they sensed and saw the change. Notice they came to see for themselves. There was something irresistible in her and in Christ, and they came. And in verse 39, we read this. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. You may think you don't have a whole lot of horsepower. You may think you don't have a whole bunch of gifts. And you may be right. But it's not up to you and it's not up to me. It's up to God to bear witness through us. To take us and to change us. To take us and to mark us out as his own. And the power of that message and the power of that witness cannot be underestimated. Don't underestimate it. There's power there. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. No matter who you are, be bold because people need to hear from you. They need to see. They need to see. Don't underestimate the power of the witness. Thirdly, thirdly, don't underestimate the power of the Messiah. We serve a supernatural God. We're not serving Buddha. We're not serving Muhammad, Krishna, whatever, Joseph Smith. We're serving the Messiah, the Creator and the Savior of the world. And so they came to see him. And in verse, in verse 41, it said, Many more believe because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The word know there in the original language is that we have realized. We have listened to you. We have gone out to see him. It's not just because of what you told us. We have now experienced. We have had a God encounter. And we have realized that this is truly, truly the Savior of the world. Many more believed because of his word, the Messiah's word, his power to save. Look at verse 42. Remember all the titles, 
all the titles that the disciples gave Jesus in John 1, the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about, the Messiah, the King of Israel, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. He never, ever pushed those names away. In fact, he claimed in this passage to be the Messiah. And as we decode Jesus, as we understand Jesus, we need to understand who he is. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. There is something about Jesus Christ that has an impact on people when they hear about him. And that impact is telling. Uh, It's, for some, attractive. It is compelling. It is transforming. It is supernatural. A Jesus encounter never leaves somebody untouched or unchanged. Even if they reject the gospel, you know, we often talk about as Christians, well, God's word never returns void. It doesn't. The gospel, the message of Jesus, the eternal truth of eternal life goes out for one of two reasons, for salvation or for condemnation. And when people hear the message of the gospel and when they have an encounter with the Messiah, they either rejoice sooner or later. You know, one plants, one water, one harvest. Not everybody gets saved right that minute. It might be five years later. But they eventually rejoice or they know that they don't want God. And so the gospel brings them closer to God or into the kingdom or they hear the gospel and they run away and they drive, so to speak, another nail in their own coffin. They either get it or they reject it. God's word does not return void. Any encounter with the Messiah does not return void. That's why the, the disciples said in Acts 16:31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's why Jesus said to Lazarus' sister, And he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Don't underestimate the presence and power of God when you have a God encounter with somebody else. When you take the message to somebody else, don't underestimate the power of the message. Don't underestimate the power of your witness, how God can use you, and don't underestimate the power of the Messiah. You want to expose people to Jesus. You want to introduce them to Jesus. You want to be clear, but let God do the work. So to review, don't underestimate the power of the message. Share it. Don't be embarrassed by it. Don't underestimate the power of your witness. Display it. Let people know your story. And don't underestimate the power of the Messiah. Reveal him explain him, introduce them to him, and let them decide what to do with him. And so, how do you apply this? Well, let's just take some quick lessons here from the text. Number one, by way of application, when all is said and done, look for an opening. You meet somebody and God seems to be, you sense God's desire for you to speak to them, look for an opening. Jesus said, give me to drink. Number two, don't talk politics. It's not about what they believe. Don't worry about that. Once Whatever political persuasion you are or they are, once you get the gospel, God has a way of working that stuff out. Don't talk religion. My dog's better than your dog because he eats kennel ration. Remember that ancient commercial? You know, or, you know, don't talk religion. Don't put them down. Lift Jesus up. And don't play defense. What do I mean by that? A lot of times when you try to talk to people about the gospel, they start asking you all these bizarre questions. Well, what if, you know, I'm crossing the international date line Wait a minute, you know, 
you're going to sit there and you're just like a guy on a basketball team. You're trying to react to the guy with the ball. You play offense. You don't play defense. You don't field every, every bunt that they hit. You don't field every grounder, every crazy question. But that's what she tried to do with Jesus. Don't take the bait. Number five, just stick with the task at hand. God has raised you and I, the people of this church, up for such a time as this. And our, our responsibilities are quite simple. Live for God and tell people about God. And so when you have a God encounter and when you have one of these divine appointments, just remember what Jesus did here. Remember what we've talked about today and just simply try to live it out in the moment, in real time, as you tell people about the Savior. Don't underestimate the message. Don't underestimate the witness, the the influence you can have, and don't underestimate the power of God, the Messiah. And the question that we have to ask and answer today as we sit here as individuals, I don't know if everybody knows the Messiah, if everybody has known Christ, has trusted Christ. And as you've heard me speak today, and it sounds like I'm speaking about some abstract, far-off person in history that has no relevance for today, it may be that you've heard about Jesus, that you've heard about God, but you don't know God. You can know God. You can know the Messiah. You can experience the liberation of embracing the message. You can experience the freedom and the peace of mind, and the contentment, and the certainty of a heavenly home if you embrace the Messiah. How do you do that? You just resolve to turn your back on the past, so to speak, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Ask Jesus to change you from the inside out. Ask you to make you his own. And if you're a doubter and you're still a skeptic, ask him as you read through the book of John to reveal yourself, himself to you. But here's the thing. God offers salvation to every person, no matter who they are or where they've come from. It's a gift. He stands ready to forgive you no matter what you've done. But if you push the gift away, you will not experience that forgiveness, that heart peace, that soul peace, that joy. So I just want to encourage you today to think about where you stand in relation to Jesus Christ, to where you stand in relation to eternity, and think about, think about trusting Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this example, this exemplary example that Jesus Christ has given us through his encounter with the woman at the well. Help us to be as patient as he is when we talk to people about you. Help us to be as kind. Help us to be as persistent. And help us to be as humble. And above all, Lord, help us to be as truthful. Lord, you know our weaknesses and you know our fears. But we know that you, you do great things through people like us. And so, Lord, do with us as you will. Make those divine appointments for us, Lord. Enable us to fulfill them, and we pray this. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.